Hello. Welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. There's a tagline I say here. And just give me a sec, because I want to say it just right. <clears throat> Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Just like Sue Storm, First Issue Club loves a good read. Hey. <laughs> comic book jokes. You altered it for the new year. Didn't I? And that's what this is all about, keeping it fresh and new for you folks. Hey, I like to throw a little jazz in there sometimes. As a music fan, you know, I'm bringing a little bit of that jazz flavor into everything I do. Unpredictability. A little improv. Off the cuff improv. Dabble of heroin. That's exactly right. Nothing like a speedball every once in a while. <laughs> to really pep up <laughs> your comic book podcast. Party going. And sometimes it's about the words you don't say. Yeah, it's the words <laughs> in between the words. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this week on First Issue Club, we're mixing our uppers with our uppers and having a real fun episode. <laughs> Zooted and booted, ready for the show. Uh, I am Mike D. I am Greg. Vargas. Oh, no. He took downers. He took downers. He took the black pill. Okay. Uh, As always, what we're going to do, if this is your first time listening to the show, we're going to talk about first issues, some great onboarding points into the comic book world. So you can catch your footing along with us. It's kind of reading club on on uh, what's fresh and coming out that you can just walk into your comic book store and, and pick up and see if you like it. Uh, before that, though, we're going to talk about some comic book industry news, get you up to speed on what's buzzworthy and happening, a couple things with some of our ongoing books that we're reading that we're excited about. Uh, so let's tarry no further and talk comic book news. Greg, I know you have something. Yeah, breaking news. Comic books still being made from paper. Now, hey. the, in a digital era. Yeah. <laughs> now, can, can, can I just yeah, say something say about that? <laughs> these pixels that are being used to tell stories nowadays? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? He's <laughs> <I've seen this>. made <laughs> into books. You would think, 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 think that the tactile experience being removed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, the big hit is it just got announced last week that Jason Aaron, hometown boy. That we, K- we're in Kansas City. KC Moe. It will be the new head writer for the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series, which um, a lot of people, when they first heard the, heard the news, went, all right. And everyone seems pretty excited about it. To clarify, are they, because the, the, he's taking over after 150, right? That's mm-hmm. the landmark. Yes. Are they resetting to one? Or I is don't, he just picking up? I don't think so. I think he's... Going with 151. 151. Okay. That blows my mind. Is Jason Aaron the most popular person to ever write Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, including Kevin Kevin Eastman and Laird? That, wow. Yes. That may almost be heresy. No, yes. Because Eastman and Laird... Became popular because they of nut. yeah okay yeah yeah so yes yeah I think so yeah. I think we, we're yes. all in agreement yeah <laughs> it, 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 it it took me a, a second to get there it took me a second to get there but it's a hot take I think but uh it might be the right one yeah I no I think you're right M- maybe most popular. Is, is a good way to put it. I feel like we're hitting a point where in things like this that started in comic books, the people who are writing now that are in their like 30s and 40s who can write whatever the fuck they want to write because they've really made a name for themselves in the comic book industry are getting into these properties that may mm-hmm. not have seemed like that may have seemed like cash grab IP things. For a little while, right? But when you think about what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really is at its core, God, I do sound like I'm fucking zooted. Yeah. (laughs) Because really, really, now listen, it's really about adolescent reptiles learning the greatest martial arts. But TMNT really is like 
it's like it's about family. It's like Batman legacy type characters, right? Just like comic book characters that have been around forever. Yeah, and you can tell whatever stories with them until the end of time. Sometimes they're going to be fun, family friendly stories, and sometimes they're going to be dark and serious stories. Uh, They are, I guess, pop culture icon sort of figures that. can do a lot of different things for a lot of different fans. As soon as you make it to pillowcases and bedsheets, you've reached an, a status that can never be taken away. Uh, weirdest uh, bedsheets I ever had as a little kid, Dick, the Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> I oh, had... hold on. Now, that's you inserted a special little twist on there. The mo- the Warren Beatty specifically movie. the Warren Beatty movie. <laughs> I had Madonna on my bed sheets as a child. Yeah, how that <laughs> shape your <laughs> uh, journey into adulthood? I just love fabulous costumes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love a little I lo- bit of flair. I love to vote. Rhinestones <laughs> um, are your jam. Uh-huh. We have noticed. Yes, yeah, that is. Uh, I I had Dick Tracy bed sheets. I I also had. Did you really? Yeah, but it wasn't the what are the, the movie? What are the odds that both of us would have had Dick Tracy bed sheets? Well, because I think when that movie came out, yeah, like the bed sheets are really cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and like, uh, but yours weren't the movie. No, uh, uh-uh. it they, was like they were drawn like the. Yeah, comic strip. Figures. Yeah, and I'm sure that was on purpose of just like we're gonna have to Google these after the show and see which ones you had and which ones I had. Okay, because I'm wondering if we had the same, and I'm just thinking mine were the movie, and you're thinking yours were the comic strips. We should do that. 1980s Dick Tracy bed sheets. <laughs> that won't turn up anything weird for our Google images. Hello FBI, we got them. <laughs> Honey, I found my dream bed sheets. They're back yeah. in stock. <laughs> What were we talking about? Jason Aaron on Ninja Turtles. Yes, Jason Aaron on Ninja Turtles. Do you guys think that the expectations for him are going to be too high? Yeah. That that comes with the territory of being that popular, though. When you create uh, a, a, a decorated run on Marvel Comics with Thor, Avengers, and, you know, you did a little DC with Superman and Batman, like, the expectation is... Maybe unfairly too high. Well, okay. Let me say this, though. That TMNT comics have always been a certain level of, like, camp. Sure. That I don't think is going to be too tough for Jason Aaron to just, like, waltz right in and blow people's fucking minds. See, but that's for people who've been reading... TMNT for the last 150 issues, right? Yeah. Not necessarily for all these people who are going to be like, I'm cannonballing in because Jason Aaron is writing this. <laughs> At and I'm, 151, and baby. I'm expecting something equivalent to his Thor run. <laughs> to, imagine, to, to, hap, to imagine, happen on TMNT. Imagine if he does do that. Like, like, he just like stays the, on it the, for a super long time. Or the equivalent of an impactful story as his Jane Foster run yeah. in the world of TMNT. It will just solidify him as, like, a fucking kingmaker. I almost wish that the TMNT, that the comics hadn't already done something like a Jenica, because this would have been a really cool time to introduce a new female turtle. Yeah. But whatever happened to that character? Is she still kind of, like, in the the storyline? She's she's been bopping around. (laughs) Bring back Venus de Milo. They, They did. Did they? Yeah. Okay. That... Not not in the current IDW run, but like she has been canon in the comics. Cowards. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought because this character was introduced for the cartoon, right? Uh, for, no, well, the, the, live action the live action TV show. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wait, live action TV show. Yeah. Yep. It happened in the nineties. Yeah. I don't remember this. I don't think. But you you're, remember you're Venus not... de Milo? I know that name as yeah. a as a female turtle. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're saying female. As a woman turtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a female turtle. Excuse me. Uh, I think... I guess it works she, when you're talking yeah. about turtles. Yeah, sheathe it is your katana, of, my is, lord. It is kind of scientific at that point. Sheathe your katana. A female turtle. <laughs> I must protect my lady. <laughs> 
Oh, my finest bottle of red. I think we need a different topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for it. Jason Aaron on TV. Yeah. I will I'll... definitely get the first, probably run, uh, first arc of his of his Just out stuff. of curiosity alone, if you're a hu- big enough comic fan yeah. to probably even be like listening to our podcast regularly, then you probably need to buy the first run of this just to be part of the conversation, right? And that's what IDW wants. Yeah. They want that, you know, residual overlap of Jason Aaron fans, TMNT fans. Like, they're like, well, let's see what this is about. And they're, you know, they're, they're probably going to succeed pretty handsomely. My hope is that expectations, because I think the the general consensus on the current 150-issue run of TMNT is that it's way better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, specifically around the first, like, the 100-issue the mark, it just got, like, markedly better. Um, like, same with Power Rangers, right? Yeah. Where, like, it w- has, j- like, Ryan Ryan Parrott yep. just, like, knocked it out of the park, and everybody was like, this is fucking amazing. So I hope that people don't see that, and they're like, well, if this no-name guy can make turtles this good mm-hmm. jason aaron should be able to make it godly you know yeah i always recommend tmnt urban legends to people who are like yeah i've always kind of liked them and i know they're comic books is that the image series no this is the idw series that like uh kevin eastman started doing the covers for yeah that was supposed to be a continuation Mm. of the original run yeah so it's got this kind of like brutality brutality to it that's like i don't know kind of what like you as like an 80s kid who wasn't really reading the comics but grew up on ninja turtles but you're always kind of been in defense of them because you're like it's actually for adults yeah yeah it's kind of grown up actually (laughs) it's kind of actually mature (laughs) yeah they say uh, they say cuss words. Uh, there's a girl turtle now. Yeah, <laughs> ever heard of Venus de Milo? That that series was rad. I really enjoyed yeah. it, and it was doing things like like cutting main characters' arms off and killing other main characters. Like it had like serious repercussions because they were like the original series kind of was letting it hang loose with a lot of these characters that ultimately became cemented mm-hmm. as you know, pop culture figures that we all recognize now. Yeah. But it was easy to say, like, their destiny has changed because they were brand new. They didn't carry the weight they yeah. carried then. And well, so they, they, ha- like, they handled all the characters with the same kind of... Yeah. It was um, an indie upstart, the team and yeah. stuff. Like, they didn't give a shit, really, about right. what happened to these characters. And then they got that fucking cartoon show. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, we need to keep this golden goose alive as long as possible. Uh, the old Technodrome... I had one. Same. I didn't. That cool Aww. eyeball that flew down the, the little, ramp. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knocked down one of your figures. Always looks so much cooler in the commercial. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. What else we got, Andy? Uh, you guys remember Turtles in Time? The TV, the movie? The game? Welcome to oh, yes. our uh, sister show. <laughs> you, Tur- you remember when? Turtlecast. <laughs> That probably is a show, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sure it is. Turtlecast. I don't know. Did I have any news? I thought you had some. And anyway, no, we don't. The biggest news was Jason Aaron. And I was going to talk about just some X-Men stuff. Oh, yeah. Catch us up. Oh, yeah. The, the fall of Krakoa. Yeah. So we're just starting into the fall of the House of X and fall of Powers of X. I think that's the name of the two titles. Tr- Trials of X? Well, there's a trial going on Uh-oh. inside the fall of the House of X. Of course. <laughs> I see where you may have been confused, my dear yeah. fellow. God. Um, but a lot of these ongoings have been wrapping up lately. And I think if you're a big X-head, you've had, like, monumental moments that have been very cool. But if you haven't been reading it, I mean, all this stuff has read, like, gobbledygook to you for a long time and uh before i'm going to talk a little bit about um the first issue of fall of the house of x mm. um later in the episode but a preview into that conversation is that that issue is written in a very accessible straightforward manner 
Is that accessible with an X? Accessible. Nice. (laughs) And it's almost a letdown to me as someone who is like so far into this like high fantasy. Like I can, you can kind of equate what X-Men is to in 2024 to like those really nuts sci-fi fantasy novel series that just get so in-depth and in the weeds with all the details that there's entire books of just like yeah the lands and the types of people and just wheel yeah. of time it's it's wheel you, of time yeah you read all the dune books and i watched the movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. right yeah you so. know what spice tastes like <laughs> yeah and i think timothy chalamet's cute yeah who doesn't so if, so if i were to tell you guys that we're finding out who is reaching dominion and that we're getting to like the technarch like comeuppance and all this stuff it's like those are things that are very exciting if you've been reading x for a long time mm-hmm. and for most people it's like why can't x-men just be like the team in blue suits fighting bad guys again and, and i've and- gathered that orcus is the bad guy <laughs> orcus is a collection of bad guys how about that so i'm i'm a little bit as such an x head i'm at a bit of a crossroads of like Excited to see the end of this, and it's cool to see the comeuppance, but I also know that it means a, an ultimate abandonment of all these great things that, like, I'm realizing, I was telling Andy before we started recording that, like, these issues are making me realize how much I love Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier and how much work went into the mythos and library of all the x stuff and how convoluted these stories are and the fact that they can bring everything together in the way that they did is like truly profound so i'm i think i'm one of the few people who's sad to see it go because it was such an endeavor to keep up with yeah all of these comics and follow all this stuff but if you can it's it's been very rewarding but just quick hits on a handful of the books. We talked a little bit about this maybe a couple weeks ago, but I'm holding Uncanny Avengers. If you're watching on our video, we've got video versions of the podcast out on YouTube, but we found out who Captain Krakoa was. He was evil Captain America. We called it, baby. Nailed it. Stevel. Stevel. Oh, Stevel my evil. Hashtag Stevel, folks. Get it trending. Uh, Dark X-Men. Ended, which was the Madeline Pryor led series where she's kind of like got a building in <laughs> New York City that is like the ah, what would how would you put it? It's it's basically like the foreign embassy to like oh, yeah. Limbo, which is like the hell realm that she rules. Sure. Uh-huh. And so that was a really fun concept for like a sure. side story, but we kind of see where this leaves Madeline. Going into the new era, so that's if you if you're into the Madeline Pryor stuff, this was a five issue series that was just really fun to see like what mind state she's at and what relationship she has with the X Men before you get into the new stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a great cover. This is a great homage cover. Really cool homage cover, yeah, on Immortal X Men, which is the uh, Kieran Gillen book that's um, has been my favorite X Men book um, of the last couple years on issue 18 or that's the last one that i've read and we're seeing a lot of the comeuppance with mother righteous who is one of the four or so sinisters that we're following a lot of variations of mr sinister um this is one that i would say don't even though it's amazing don't bother picking it up because you need to have read all of this stuff over the last five years to like follow what's going on in this. I book. honestly can't wait but for it's the my collected favorite hardcovers of like the Hickman era. Dude, but just to like play. There's catch no up. way. The, so did I don't... you know you know what they did with the soft the soft bounds, right? They did them in eras. Oh right. So it's like volume one is like six different number yeah. one issues. Volume two is the same series but issue two and then i think they stopped doing it after a while because it became too unruly yeah that shit sucks yeah it's wild Hmm. 
So okay. my hope is that, yeah, I want to read all this stuff in a row, but I don't want to read five hardbacks <laughs> in like varying orders. Like, just give me Immortal X-Men, right? Well, yeah, I think that's the that's the problem with this is the stuff that happens in Immortal X-Men is so contingent upon the other things that if you're like, hey, I just subscribed to Marvel Unlimited and I'm going to save $3,000 yeah. <laughs> reading all this stuff yeah. sure. uh, because it's just in my digital subscription. Um, uh, one of the downfalls of Unlimited is that not everything has a reading order that's like, okay, now you have to read issue 28 of X-Men to understand what's happening in issue 12 of Immortal X-Men. So, I don't know. Best of luck to you if you try to catch up on this era <laughs> of X-Men, but I think it's, like, very inaccessible. And, again, I love it, but I understand the frustration that most fans have. Do they include in the, uh, the Unlimited thing? I guess you might not know, but... They have that like timeline in the back of every issue, right? That's like a yeah. month by month thing. Mm -hmm. Do they have that in the digital one? I don't know that they do. I I know that Yikes. they're in on unlimited. Like I can search for like they'll put together issues of like oh here's all of Craven's last hunt, even though oh, that right. took the place across spectacular web of and amazing. Yeah. Um, but they do that for these self-contained things that are like seven, eight issue arcs, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It's really tough to do <laughs> yeah, for in, hundred plus in issues. order yeah. for like hundreds and hundreds of issues yeah. of like, I mean, we're talking Excalibur, X-Force, Wolverine, Marauders, Jean Grey series, Marauders, X-Corp. Yeah. X-Force, um, X-Men Red, X-Men Blue. Um, all these different giant sizes that happen yeah. throughout the course of this. Um, X-Men Red, the the war for uh, Mars has ended. And this is the issue in uh, 18 by Al Ewing. Again, one of my favorite writers who tied a really cool bow onto that story. I think we've still got a couple issues of X-Men Red coming out to like really tie that story up. But this was kind of the big, the big comeuppance. One of the coolest things, so I've got Uncanny Spider-Man number five and X-Men Blue Origins number one, which if um, if you are reading uh, Uncanny Spider-Man and you didn't get... Uh, <laughs> see, I'm having a hard time following it even as I'm holding these in my hand. And you didn't get X-Men Blue Origins, you're doing yourself a disservice because this is issue like... 4.5 um which again x-men shit so frustrating right mm -hmm. to split all this stuff into different key series this is one of the coolest um x-men books i've read in a so while good yeah and it changed the canon of who nightcrawler's parents are yeah and so I, i'll give the rundown of that and if you don't want this ruined for you maybe skip ahead a minute so we've always believed that Mystique was Nightcrawler's mother and Azazel was Nightcrawler's father. Right. It turns out that when Mystique transforms into a male figure, she becomes male. She's not just like a woman with the appearance of a man. Her genetics become you know she's got the right chromosomes yeah so she and equipment <laughs> so she basically fathered a child with destiny so destiny and mystique are the parents of nightcrawler okay so dope nightcrawler's and two moms destiny saw this situation because she needed to manipulate a zazzle in some other situations and then there's this whole like tragic storyline with this wherein uh Nightcrawler's relationship with Mystique was erased from her brain by Charles or that history was rewritten so she wouldn't remember everything. And in this kind of uh Krakoan fall wherein Charles was 
sending everybody out and people were like using oh, their right. brain trick to like prevent Charles's influence. Her brain got kicked out of Charles's influence and she started to remember all the stuff that happened with Nightcrawler. So X-Men Blue Origins number one. If you're an X-Head, I think in even if you haven't been following that stuff, I would say this is probably just one of those really cool legacy stories now that gives you like a really interesting origin that is is worth picking up and having in your collection. Yeah, I picked it up just because I'm a Nightcrawler guy. Yeah, really awesome issue. It's like standalone issue. You don't need to read the rest of um, Uncanny Spider-Man to enjoy it, but it's fun if you do. And then X-Men and X-Force issue like 30 and 47 are the last couple that I've read. And we've got some stuff with Doom and the mutants that have been in Latveria. And they're probably going to play a big part in like joining the mutant cause and making a difference while we've got so many uh, other mutants um, in the nowhere zone. And then our X-Force stuff is just, you know, Benjamin Percy goodness and violence and espionage and spy shit. If that's your if that's your speed, this is the X books to read for that. So. Has X Force been running? Is that still the same run as yeah. when they started? Yes, this wow. is one of the only books. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Left. Benjamin Percy's books in particular, yeah. Wolverine and X Force, right. are some of the only books that haven't like just stopped or like kickstarted in volumes. So good on him for. Sticking with it. Having comics that Dude like rules. persevered throughout the entire uh, Krakoan era yeah. of X-Men. So uh, I guess sorry for the tangent if you're not into X-Men stuff. That was probably just like gobbledygook words. But but for those of you who are into X-Men, you're welcome. Yeah, that, that was more for me, I guess. It was very <laughs> self-serving to, <laughs> to do all that. You had to get it out of your head. I Yeah, I needed to get it out of my system. I just read like you know, 10 X books this past week and they were all hitting for me on all cylinders. So it's, it's, uh, nice to have invested this much time in and money and and money into all these X books. And then like, feel like I'm really getting a great experience out of it here at the end. Do you think you'll go as hard on the X books in the new era? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it kind of depends on what the new X books are. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a feeling, especially based on how Fall of is being written, that they're going to be a little more accessible and a little more peeled back. And like, hey, here are just some like your your favorite heroes going on adventures and beating the bad guys, and that's great and all, but it's kind of like. I'm so in the weeds that I'm used to a higher level of fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is a way to put it yeah. from the X-Men. So that might disappoint me a little bit as like a mega fan. I, I like X-Men because I don't like easy stuff. <laughs> That's why I it's, choose X-Men. It sounds very like up your butt, up, you know, like hoity toity about like, I like the finer things and yeah. confusion and convolution. But honestly, like, if you're putting this much time and effort into it, it's yeah. like, yeah, I want to like, I want to use my brain a little. Uh, I have heard that Marvel is aware of the convoluted nature of the different books and what happens when and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Same. I'm but, hearing rumors it's going to be scaled back. Well, I think there's still room for like having depth inside of your stories. Uh-huh. But just having like X Men the book, and not X Men plus this five issue miniseries and two other ongoings plus this event, you know what I mean? I like, th- yeah, I think the toughest thing was like, I mean, it's amazing how they orchestrated so many comics that interwove. But yeah, that's what made these impossible to read, and yeah. it it probably would be nicer people to do it it kind of when it started like excalibur was a book that you could just be like i'm just reading excalibur and Mm -hmm. i really like it but not all the x-men books have been like that Mm -hmm. um so you just might have more of them be like here's a standalone one that you can enjoy 
And if you, I don't know, dip out of it, then. I mean, I as as someone who's not an ex dude, I I love X Men books, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely gonna jump on the new stuff. But I would rather see X Men go twice a month than have to pick up an additional title. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just keep it in one place yeah. for me. Yeah. Exactly. One right. man's opinion. That was your X Men minute. We'll see. X Men twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Vargas, we, we teamed up again. Yep. We always read the same books. Yep, we read Cobra Commander. Yep, from Joshua Williamson, out on Image. Yep, and uh, and then Avengers Twilight. Avengers Twilight by Ch- Chipper Zdarsky. Um, let's start with Cobra Commander. Hell yeah, this book fucking rules. So for someone who <laughs> I I know, okay, so I know of Cobra Commander. Right, I watched the TV shows. Don't really know much about the comic book stuff. I know he has a snake bit, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, his, that's his bit. His S's linger, and you know, he's his name's Cobra Commander. So I was really interested in this book because they really are treating it kind of like an origin story yeah. of like who he is, where he came from, and why he wears that helmet. I didn't know that he came from like a weird snake religion yeah he comes from like snake atlantis civilization yeah what yeah dude thank you (laughs) fucking thank you i think that this was invented for this some gi joe somebody tell me if i'm wrong but yeah i think that they came up with that whole idea for the energon universe that is it when i when i read that it added a layer of disbelief to the story where I was just like, no, no, we're not doing, we're not doing this because I can handle robots in disguise. I can handle GI Joe's policing the world and fun uniforms. What I cannot handle is a secret underground hippie snake culture. You know what would have been cool? If like so, how they did Void Rivals, where it was like, oh, we didn't know this was like a Transformers universe book, and mm-hmm. like people just picked up this indie comic. Yeah, it would have been cool if this book was titled like The Life of Eddie Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then and then it's like these two parents, Eddie's were, story, who are bringing their kids into like who are bringing their child into therapy, and they're just like he's just not. Getting on in school and not he holds making on friends, to his S's, doctor. and he's very violent. And then, yeah, you see him in his help, like his uh, group therapy, and he's like, "This is why I can't get along with my friends yeah. at school. My friends have too many arms." Kid named Duke beats him up. Yeah, just constantly. <laughs> why did you have to say that name? And at the end, he's like, "I'm embracing the snake. I'll become a commander." Yeah. I'll I'll become the thing that I hate the most. And you're like, oh shit, this is a backdoor Cobra Commander book. Uh, in like honestly, I kind of wish, I kind of wish we treated Cobra Commander like we treated the Joker. We don't know fuck all oh, about sure. the Joker, yeah. and that's what makes him more sinister. I don't need to know where Cobra Commander came from. I don't need to know that he uh, had a boss that had a snake name. In a big uh-huh. snake chair that he sat in. Uh-huh. What made him sinister was the the constant and relentless hatred for the G.I. Joes, and he was willing to spend any amount of money and and lose any amount of life in his henchmen to just foil any of their plans. And that's what I think we're going to get, because, the, because there was a cool moment where he's basically keeping a a mangled Megatron yeah like alive to like steal the data from his like robot brain which that is what I, I they should have just really leaned into that like that's how the book starts Cobra Commander you find out he's hijacked Megatron and like he's just like that's how that's how the Cobras get started he's they're using his brain his data his technology to get a leg up on G.I. Joe you like Snake World. Uh, okay. Here's here's my take. <laughs> yeah, I'm a snake guy. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I love things that can't blink. What can I say? <laughs> I I think it's a cool direction to go. Okay. To make. Okay. As. <laughs> As, uh, listen, I'm, uh, I'm not trying so, to yuck your yum. I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to yuck your uh, yum. Okay. <laughs> I I am getting like Namor vibes from this. Where like yeah, okay. Cobra Commander, he lives in this society that Earth doesn't know about. It's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily evil. It just exists in secret. And he and they are clearly like some sort of higher developed society, yeah, right? When, like, I, when you first started reading it, I was just like, "Is this an alien yeah, race that's or like what, an exactly alternate dimension? Like what? Yeah, what what happened here?" Um, so I liked the idea that he is like the pinnacle of evil in this advanced society, and gets somehow exiled to people realm. Yeah, and now we have to deal with him. It's, I got, I got like it's like the GI Joe version of Enchanted. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but he's evil. Yeah. Um. So I got a lot of like Captain America vibes. I think is where the story's gonna go between him and Duke, mm-hmm. where like Duke is kind of just a guy, mm-hmm. like he's just a soldier, and Cobra Commander is this like. Also a soldier, but like a bad, like it's like spy versus spy. Yeah, but one of the spies is like a super soldier and extra cunning and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a sociopath and all these like things. Yeah. Um, So I think it'll be cool maybe to see more of a regular Joe, if you'll forgive the pun, <laughs> to, to have to deal with this guy yep. who's going to be starting this evil society here on earth they, I, I i totally understand the criticism of saying snake world is dumb <laughs> it was such a hard it was weird left to start the book out with because you're like what the did they put the wrong cover on this book yeah yeah it's tough to take something that you already know and are familiar with and be like hey here's a whole new corner of it that you didn't know about this entire time mm-hmm such a fine line to dance to have that come across like well. I, so I I guess like shout out to Joshua Williamson for like swinging for the fences on like yeah and it wasn't a bad swing like it was still a home I run mean, this, but I was just like char- what the this character is just so over the top already yes you know what I mean that it's kind of like yeah give him like yeah. of the wildest origin story you can think of. Well, and that's the thing. Like, would it be better if he takes off his helmet and he's like, "All right, time to go home." Walking yeah. out at five. I think maybe. <laughs> I love that. Hey, Jennifer, running late. Yeah, yeah. That he's kind of like, like I said, the life of whatever the yeah. mundane name I used yeah. was. <laughs> I need to pick up my kids. Tom Tomlinson. Soccer practice. Yeah. And then he comes home and he's Red just a guy milk. with a lisp who gets bullied by yeah. his overbearing wife. And- Honey, how was your day? I ran into Duke again. <laughs> you need to just ignore him. Yeah. Your therapist said to leave him. A- I know what Dr. Brown said. <laughs> uh, I will say the the intro pages. Ruled. Fucking ruled. ruled. It's just got Cobra Commander going to this weird bar in Alaska. Yeah. I need the car. It's yeah, like he Terminator. Just, like, he terminates this bar. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, destroys these guys. So I read that as this is what happens after, after he gets, like, exiled or leaves Cobra yep. Land. Yeah. Okay. The the vibe of it was sick. The only thing that threw me off was the, the new kind of totally. interpretation of who he is. Because, honestly, well, I, I don't need to know. I don't, sure. I don't, I don't care totally. where he came from. It makes it, scary. it makes it scarier if he just shows up already established. Yep. Like, that's so weird like for a villain yeah to like uh, like someone comes to like your door fully established i have a, a squad of goons all this machinery and i'm here to kill you you're like i've never even heard of you but you look fucking legit and scary like that is like so beyond like you don't need a, a secret realm 
of hippie snake people in my mind. Anyway. Can I just say this is the most Jack Kirby cover I've ever seen There's in my Crackle. Life. This is the David Asia variant. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. sick. There's Crackle on it, and these are like machines straight out of like new, new gods. New gods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like random pipes and circle levers. and. I got his variant for Duke also, so I wanted the matching. Yeah, right on. Well, you might need a new cover for that one because that one looks a little binty. Yeah, I know. And they're finger all, smudge. They're all fucked up, but you know what? Thank you, Clint. Ugh, Clint. <laughs> what else did we read, Greg? We read Avengers Twilight from Chip Zdarsky, and I want to say all of this before I say the bit part. Oh, okay. I really like this book. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a fun idea. The characters in it are familiar, but they're also kind of uh, fish out of water. Mm-hmm. The story that they're telling is kind of um, relevant to what we're the world we're leaving living in today. What? <laughs> where I where I'm really kind of trepidatious here is this book seems like boomer bait. This seems like Clint Eastwood screaming at a chair. This seems like <laughs> like Shawshank Redemption on TBS on Sunday afternoon. Or just like the older generation knows best. These young whippersnappers don't know what they're doing. Oh, you think so? Now I get. Okay. Now, now I get that there's an exaggeration because it's like a, a, a pseudo fascist overtaking of the current society that they're in. Uh, I know that, that it is uh, based upon H-Day, an event that happens in this book where Ultron comes back and, uh, like, I guess he, like, boosts the powers of all the villains while... Does he decrease the power to the other superheroes? Or, like, he just, like, fucks... Ultron just fucks with everything, yeah, yeah. essentially. Uh, a lot of people die. Boston is, like, just gone now. Um so I get that, like, they were cast out because of, like, it appears that they let the world down, but it was really, like, more behind the scenes than really what's happening. And, like, you get this commentary of uh, Nepo Baby Stark, like, saying that, like, these old guys don't know what they're talking about anymore. Like, how dare they want to change uh, the rhetoric now? And, like, there's a... Co- there's a, a f- an interesting thing about a new documentary coming out trying to make the red hood or the red red skull look like a good guy yeah because he wanted to take out hitler and captain america's like he wanted to take out hitler because he wanted to be a better hitler like yeah. what the fuck so i get i get that but it all just seemed like wrapped in this like ball of like what i see people who watch fox news a lot of just like you know these kids today don't fucking know, like, on their TikToks, they don't know how to, like, make money or something. It's just like, and I know Chip Zdarsky isn't that writer. Yeah. So I know something, like, is going to flip here and it's going to blow my mind. But, like, uh, that's that's what the, the taste I got after I finished this book. I, I see where you're coming from. Where, like, it wasn't expressly shown, like, who's the dictate? Who's the fascist? Right. So it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there is, there definitely is a fascist undertone to it. There's, For sure, there is a curfew thing in place. There is yeah. like, but really but, strict laws. Yeah, but the villain is Gen Z, Tony, Tony Stark Jr. Yes, right. and like that's how Captain America is kind of like painting it, right? And that's how old Luke Cage and old yeah. Matt Murdock is painting it of just like. These fucking young kids today don't know fucking shit. Like, yeah. like we used to fight for this country, and and I don't know. In in the in the in the world that the story is being told, they're they are correct, but it would be easy for anyone to like change the narrative of this book into today's terms and misconstrued what this book is actually about yeah if that makes sense certainly taking this issue isolated that Uh would that would be incredibly easy yeah i see this end up being um like it gave me a ton of spider-man rain vibes Mm -hmm. that carrie kyle andrews thing Mm -hmm. 
I think these guys are going to inspire like the new generation to rise up and like yeah take it back whatever yeah that's how i see the story going but you're absolutely right i did not get that but you're absolutely right somebody could read this book and be like yeah yeah we yeah. need to show these kids who yeah. the real america yeah. is let's make superheroes great again yeah yeah it's like is this wild hogs 3 like <laughs> marvel edition for sure but it was cool that seeing um, Luke Cage like get a new Defenders team going. Yeah, and it was interesting to see that like Luke Cage's bulletproof skin is now like his coffin because yeah. it's like getting really rigid and he can't move a lot. So he's like kind of just like stuck in his own body. Yeah, he had like a like some sort of like exoskeleton that mm-hmm. helped him walk, and he's like basically wheelchair bound. Yeah, the artwork in this was crackerjack. Man. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was like super very awesome. futuristic. Uh, yeah, like yeah, every we, cyberpunk. Yeah, every cyberpunk thing you can ever imagine is is represented here in this book. Yeah. Speaking of Luke Cage, a book we didn't cover on Fresh Issue Club, Gang War. That is so fucking cool. Not Gang War, but Timeless, the new Timeless number one. <sighs> oh right, fucking unbelievable i cannot believe i missed this book i ordered you that copy it just hasn't come yet but holy shit it's such a good read is miracle man in this one and it's like (laughs) no like future moon knight fights future luke cage yeah and and luke cage is like over time like he's one of the like last standing heroes i think because of his kind of like can't kill me powers he's over time gained like the powers of several other heroes and you can see on the cover of it i don't think this is a spoiler on the cover of it he's got the iron fist yeah and oh there's shit. a handful of other things that are that tie into it that are really rad and so him and mk2 which is this like future moon knight <laughs> mk2 sounds like a like south american gang <laughs> no it's just mortal combat too yeah <laughs> mortal combat <laughs> Um, really awesome standalone issue that I recommend people people read. But the one thing that I I'll I'll dig on Timeless is that they've done it three times now, yep. and each time it's supposed to be like, hey, here's like a thing to work towards or like get excited about, and I don't feel like. Any of them have ever paid off in a way that I've noticed? Correct. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, it's just like, hey, I'm fine with time. If Timeless is just going to be a one shot once a year, that's like, what if this happened with a couple characters in the future? Yeah. Fine. Yes. Have someone really interesting write it and tell like a cool what if sort of story, but don't like yeah. Pro- yeah. promise that it's going to be like what the next year of Marvel Comics leads to if you don't have a plan in place for shit to lead there. Yeah, yeah. don't blue ball me with Miracle Man Yeah, to join the MCU, their Marvel Universe, and then... Never do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost like it's like a wish list that Marvel wants to do, which is like, hey, it'd be cool if we could, if we could pull this off, right, folks? Well, so speaking of Miracle Man and books we picked up, issue seven came out this week. Of the Miracle of Man. Of Miracle Man, the, the Silver Age, the Neil Gaiman series. Oh, okay. So that's got to be the last one, right? I thought six was the last one. Oh. Weird. Maybe they found another one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Neil's like, oh, I got this one too, actually. Uh, actually. <laughs> what the hell? Um, and then I read the uh, uh, the new Constantine book. That slapped too. Yeah, it was your good. It was, it was, okay. It was very good, but if you don't know who John Constantine is... Yeah. Skip it. Yeah. I loved it. I love Cy Spurrier. I love Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. And it was very fun. Very cool. Um, Is it a black label thing? Yeah. Yes, because they say a lot of naughty words in this yeah. one. Yeah. And it's a Sandman universe thing. So if, oh, if you're okay. not... Oh, yeah, I forgot. God damn Yeah, it. if you're not up with the Sandman universe stuff. Yeah. I like John Constantine being kind of the guy who, like hops between totally some of these things it's like really cool yeah because like dream shows up you're like what the yeah what uh when they did the sandman stuff in that like watchman preview Mm -hmm. 
I was like, whoa, this is going to be fucking crazy. And then, like, did that stuff ever pay off? Uh, kind of. I don't remember it. Are you talking about the the dreaming the like clock showed thing? up in like dooms in like the first like doomsday clock like lead in. They they uh, they uh, spun all that out into Sandman universe. Yeah, and they just had it. That was own just that thing. thing was just like Sandman's gonna come back to DC. Exactly. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's all yeah. it meant. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was going to be a part of Doomsday Clock, and no. it wasn't. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. It was just like, okay, so we've got other universes mishmashing together because of the stuff that's happening in in yeah. this lead into Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Which explains why. Yeah. Kind of just making Sandman stuff canon in DC yeah. since Vertigo's gone. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And it's that's a. Uh, uh, I just needed someone to say that to me five years ago. Sure, that would have been fine. <laughs> sure. Other, instead, I was confused for like twelve months. Yeah. That's that's a tough task for DC to take on because it's like trying to incorporate masterpiece theater with like monster trucks, <laughs> and like you're just like this is gonna be great, and you're like oh I don't know, like we may have to like really work at this, but maybe masterpiece theater and wrestling we can maybe do that, and so like there's I can just see them trying to like smash characters in you're like oh, i don't really think that it's yeah you can take elements of those series like the john constantine is the perfect place right where like you can have dream show up yeah and help john every once in a while or like swamp thing can go and help mm-hmm. superman fight poison ivy mm-hmm. but then he can also go back and be sad about stuff yeah well let's not forget hellblazer was on vertigo for yeah ever yeah so like he is like the greatest go between of just like he's superhero enough where he works in DC, yeah, mm-hmm. specifically Justice League Dark, and then he's like moody and emo enough where he can like hang out with the Vertigo characters and be like, hey, "You guys like the Smiths?" And it's like, <laughs> "Like you want to smoke some cloves?" <laughs> <laughs> like so. Hey, how about that last splash page though of that Constantine book? Which one? What was it? I remember uh, the porno one. In that the was the first one. Of course you remember that. Because <laughs> he crawls out of the ground as a skeleton. He's yeah. just like, I need water. Are they shooting the porno? <laughs> and then he just falls, like, falls down, the, down the Hollywood Hill. Uh, no, the, that splash page where he's calling out for Swamp Thing to help him. Oh, right. And Swamp Thing is there on a golf course. Yes. And his whole face is like the golf hole. The, yeah. Like the and whole land. Yeah. I had to like stare at it and I was like, what is this? Like, uh-huh. where is that voice coming from? Uh-huh. And then you realize that like his mouth is a sand the trap. Sand trap yeah. And his oh, eye okay. is like one of the holes. And it's like, yeah. It's like it's one of those wild. like, uh, it's like the last page in a mad magazine where uh, you have to fold yeah. together. You're like, oh, there you are, swampy. <laughs> yeah. You had to like squint and hold it it's back. It's a magic eye. Yeah. It's a scooter. <laughs> but it was very cool. Like, once I got yeah. it. It was sick as hell. Yeah. So, like I said, if you're heavily into John Constantine and in that world, you're gonna love it. Um, but if not, you know, there are other books that, uh, that came out that you can read. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other books that came out that you can read, um, this one's a couple weeks old. Uh, Spider Gwen Smash. This is. I think one of the more accessible books that I've read in a long time that features a superhero. So Maria Flores, I believe is her name, wrote this. And she wrote Dead Lucky and Radiant Pink, which were really great, like female-led superhero books that were just great. And this book takes the Spider-Gwen we know and love back in her like home universe. She's got a band with Mary Jane Watson and... Betty Brant and a handful of these other people. What's the, the band's called something? I think it's funny. just called the Mary Jane. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh they get invited to go on tour with Dazzler. Oh, and cool. so they're just like going city to city opening for Dazzler. And then you find out that they not only is the Mary Jane just a good, cool rock band, mm-hmm. but they also specifically recruited them because someone is coming after Dazzler. And they know that uh, Spider-Gwen is in the Mary Janes, and they just want some extra firepower uh, on set for all these shows that are getting attacked, where they're trying to, like, 
save Dazzler and save everybody at the same time. So she's more or less a hired gun. That's funny. Uh, than anything else. And a couple people got injured in Dazzler's band, so they're playing. They're opening and playing in Dazzler's band now. That's cool. I think they kind of posed it where you're kind of wondering, is does Dazzler have an alternate agenda? Is she like... Hurting. Is she t- to be believed or is she kind of setting up the attacks on the Ooh. show? Like, we're not quite sure. It was this kind of, it felt kind of like a gray area. So hmm. it's going to be, I think, a shorter series that'll just be like a really fun, rock centered, like fun characters, just that they're in an alternate universe. So you're not going to get bogged down in the details of who these characters are. They're just right. like Dazzlers, like, Freshly introduced in this universe. Perfect. And then less accessible. I mentioned this the other day that I'd started reading it and I just wanted to um, tie a bow on it is The Bloody Dozen, the Shadow College tie-in book that Charles Soule and uh, Raphael Albuquerque are doing. And this is a family of uh, astronauts, really intelligent people who, you know, were like combat trained astronauts and they need a a certain group of people to go find this like space prison that's close to the sun and we find out at the end of it all i mean i'm going to spoil the first issue because this will tell you whether you're going to be into this or not Uh but you find out that there is a 50 60 year old space prison that's close to the sun and they're like well what could be on this thing that's like obviously hasn't had people visit it in years and why is it so close to the sun? We've got we've got vampires. Hell yes! <laughs> what? So if they try to escape, they're gonna get yeah. fried, right? Holy shit! And so something is happening on this like little space prison that requires this like tactical team, and these people are like the only people with like a weird set of skills enough for. Dude, stop talking. You struck oil. <laughs> yeah. like, fucking space prison with vampires. Sign up The Rock yeah, and yeah. Jason Statham. Yeah. It's I uh, think Hollywood. Are you listening? Yeah. I think obviously Charles Soule is a great writer, and I think they nailed the tone with this, where it's like the subject matter is a little goofy, but you can also do it with like uh, enough of like corny, like action movie sort oh. of script to get you like actually kind of into it. Yeah. In in a funny way, it's, so it's, it's good. bloody dozen instead of dirty dozen. Yeah, I just fucking got that. This That's should so be the stupid. next Expendables script. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's another one that, like, even though it's tied into something that's called the Shrouded College, that's another Hell to Pay universe. Yeah, right. yeah Hell to Pay was another book that tied into this, and I think there's going to be like six more. Yeah, like, they're doing like, it's like five or six. Yeah, it's more. like two. These are like yeah. two of six that are going to be Shrouded College books. Um, okay. You do not need to read the other book at all. So both the Spider-Gwen Smash and Bloody Dozen are two books that came out within the last month at your local comic book shops that you can pick up still. They haven't sold out um, and have a great time with these two issues, I think, if, yeah. if either of those concepts sound familiar to you. Yeah. Fun to you. I think you may have sold me on Bloody Dozen, to be honest. It was rad. It yeah. was fun. I liked it a lot. Hell to Pay was awesome. I love yeah, Hell to Pay was a fun idea. Yeah. Nice. Do you want to talk James Bond or do it for the Patreon? Oh, sorry. I didn't oh. know you had another book left. Well, I was going to say, do you want, yeah, do you want to save it for the episode? I did read the new James Bond. Yeah. I, preview, it, it, preview it, but we'll get our full take on the Patreon. Okay, so this is War, uh, Warren Ellis. No, Garth Ennis's I do James that all Bond. the time. Um, They're similar. Yeah. And it is exactly how I thought Garth Ennis would write James Bond. Um, I won't get into it because it requires its own explanation uh-huh. and I have thoughts and feelings okay. about it. But this is definitely a more brutal James Bond than we've really seen in comics. He doesn't fuck about with a watch that shoots lasers. <laughs> he, oh, man. he blows up his car to kill five people. Like, okay. That's <laughs> okay. that's the bond we're dealing with here. Um, there there is a cool story, a Soviet throwback where this super weapon that that uh, is 
like a, a water bomb that instantly freezes everything in a room and then melts super fast, mm-hmm. gets stolen. So you can detonate it in a room and then leave no evidence oh. Like oh. right away, right? That's the bit. Um, that gets stolen from MI6. And of course, Bond is the only one who can take the case and rec- you know figure out who stole it, who's trying to make more. Uh, and save the day. But. Uh, from the previews thing of it, is there? Uh, there's also hints of another double O agent introduced in this book. Yes, Bond actually has to. He goes to this retired double O agent who has information about it because he's the one who recovered it from the Soviets in the first place. I almost thought you were going to say he has to go to a retired double O agent nursing home, like just oh, a nursing a home bunch of double O's. full of double O's. <laughs> just like, I'll take it on. It's like, Oh no, no, no. They, they actually make a point that like, this guy is like one of the few double O's who actually made it to retirement Wow! because they all die. But Again, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about the way Garth Ennis wrote this character, both mm-hmm. good and bad, and it requires more of a dissection. So, that's First Issue Club. Beb, listen to the outro for the details on how you can support us at uh, patreon.com slash First Issue Club and all of our social medias and that good stuff. So, uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, Leave us a review if you enjoyed the episode to uh, help more people find our fun little show about comic books. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.